Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Raise your hand if you have a habit of procrastinating. Yep, my hand is up. (laughs) Procrastination is a struggle for so many. And in this episode, we want to share some quick steps that you can make to help you get recharged and ready to get things done. Ooh, that was a good word, recharged. (laughs) But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from Alina. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Alina says, I am a high school teacher and this is my sixth year of teaching. And then in parentheses, Canada. I just love it. It's just Canada. (laughs) And despite trying to be as productive as possible, I cannot get anything done this semester in a timely manner. Our preps run on a semester schedule. I have a prep next one for an hour every day and no prep this semester. I teach languages, grades 9 through 12, among which two are split level classes, grades 11 and 12, and do not stop until a bit after 3 p.m. It is practically impossible to leave before 5 p.m. any of my days. Any advice you have to not overwork would be great. P.S. Power lists are my besties right now. Thank you for your suggestions. Okay, so first, Alina, it is always really interesting to hear how the education system works in different areas. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming, and Michelle, you can tell me too, prep time. Are you thinking like this is their planning period? That's how I took it because I feel like with older, um, like middle school, high school, they they call them prep periods. Okay, so I am just amazed that you don't have a prep for an entire semester, I probably would be shooketh to my core. (laughs) I don't know what I would do with myself. But here's what I would say to you. I think the biggest piece is going to be planning in advance. Um, Mm -hmm. I think when we did our episodes back in, uh, is it October? Was that the October episodes? So our October episodes um, really talk a lot about setting up structures, having a system in place, helping you plan your units is going to be something that's incredibly beneficial. And I recommend doing this like when you have what we would suggest, like call like our summer break. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if you have a summer break, but it's just a longer period where you don't have any school. So we have ours for like two months. We're, We're on a break. So... I would say that having some form of a system to where you can plan well in advance and have those materials ready to go would be really, really helpful, especially because when you don't have those planning times or your prep times, it's going to make it challenging for you to keep up on all the other like mundane things that happen during the day, which is going to be like your to-do list, your like grading items, you're putting in your your grades for your report cards, your comments, all of those extra pieces that we have to deal with. You have to put lesson planning and have that done well in advance. What do you think? Yeah, this one's hard because obviously this teacher is already in the thick of it, right? Mm -hmm. So they can't go back and, you know, rewrite time. Right. And it is just a difficult situation. If you don't have prep, I think you have to accept that there is going to be a certain level of sacrifice. Like you probably won't be able to leave on time every single day. It's just not realistic because you didn't already prep in advance. Right. However, Now that you are kind of in the thick of it, it sounds like this teacher is unhappy with having to stay until 5 p.m. all of the days. My first suggestion would be to make it so that 
one day a week, let's say Friday, you're going to leave right after the kids. And by cutting it back just one day, it's going to force you to get that much more done each of the other days. And it almost becomes your reward at the end of the week, right? If all of my stuff is done Monday through Thursday, then Friday I get to leave right away. And once you get a routine with that, you could then cut it back to maybe like two days a week. You're going to leave right after the kids and kind of scaling it back a little bit at a time. It sounds like Alina's already using Powerless, which is fantastic because that's a huge productivity, just time saver in general. But I think Bridget's right. Like being able to work ahead is going to be your best friend. And then utilizing things like batching to be able to get more done at one time so that you can get those things done in a shorter amount of time rather than doing it day after day. Like I, I would almost say that if I was in her situation, I would much rather take, and if this is a possibility, it's another suggestion. I would take one day, like a Saturday out of the month to stay and just get as much work done as possible. So that way I could then enjoy the afternoons, Mm -hmm. like right Mm -hmm. after school when I'm feeling exhausted and drained and Mm -hmm. I can't really do anything else. Like I would almost much rather sacrifice that one Saturday a month to be able to get things, all that stuff accomplished so that I could have the other time. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a fantastic suggestion. I feel like this is one of those situations where there is not a perfect solution And it's all about finding the best solution for you and what's going to work best for your schedule, if that makes sense. So today's episode is all about procrastination. And I love that Bridget kind of called herself out at the beginning that Uh she struggles with procrastination. We all know that. (laughs) Yes. If you listen to our podcast, that is not new information. But I typically do don't procrastinate. I have never been a procrastinator. I've always been a work aheader. <laughs> and in fact, when I was in high school, I remember I had this one, I think it was like a business management course. And I kind of noticed the pattern of what my teacher would assign for homework. And within the first like month, I had done all the homework for the whole year <laughs> because I just loved doing that. However, I'm here to tell y'all, I recently procrastinated. She's like at a confessional stand. Like she's confessing. That's kind of how I feel right now. Let me let out a breath. Okay. Yes. I recently procrastinated and that is very unusual for me. Although this one was kind of not my fault. It was, but it wasn't. Essentially, I procrastinated putting together a presentation for like a a virtual speaking engagement. The reason I say it wasn't my fault is because although I guess it was my fault. I didn't realize (laughs) that this speaking engagement was actually booked. I got it confused with another one that I was still waiting on like confirmation. And so because of that leading into it, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's not happening because I haven't really heard from them. And all of a sudden it was like three days before where they were asking for the link. And I was like, oh crap, that's actually happening. So I guess in reality, (laughs) it was fully my fault. I need to just own that. However, let me just say, I hated it. I hated every second. I told Bridget it is her responsibility as my friend to never let me do that again because I was so stressed out. It was not a fun time. Now what we have to do is we have to share each other's calendars. So that way we can like open up their calendars and see. Because I told her, I was like, I had no idea that you were doing this. I know. (laughs) And that's the thing. It was on my calendar. But every time I would look at it, I'd go, oh, yeah, that's that speaking engagement. I'm still waiting to hear back on because I just had it confused. So All right. You get a pass. 
for this one. You get a pass. I'll take it, even though I don't think I deserve Uh it. (laughs) Okay. But listen, coming from like the procrastinating queen over here, um, procrastination causes additional stress and it also causes more problems in the future. Trust me, I know from Can confirm. Can confirm. (laughs) I can confirm. Um, But here's the thing. Some people work really well under pressure. I think of my cousin, Junior. Yeah. In this whole situation, he works amazingly well under pressure. And this goes with the saying that the same hot water that softens the potato will harden the egg. <laughs> I love <laughs> listen, that. Listen, I can't with some of Michelle's quotes. <laughs> it's just, so good, though. <laughs> it is so good. But I was like, Michelle, I don't get it. <laughs> so here's the thing. All right, focus. Um, here's what that means. The same hot water that softens the potato will harden the egg. And this means that there's just two different results, right? So hot water can soften that potato, but then it can also harden the egg. Everybody else is probably like, duh, I get it. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. We are all very, very different. And so you have to remember that as we kind of go through this entire episode. But it's good to examine potential ways to improve because chronic procrastination is not healthy, although we do know that some procrastination is good for you, right? A little bit of stress is good for you. So we're going to be sharing a five-step process that you can follow when you find yourself procrastinating. I'm going to kick us off with number one, which is to interrupt the pattern, aka you got to call yourself out. This means you need to have a little bit of awareness and you have to realize when you're procrastinating and when you realize that you are, you have to interrupt the pattern and try to figure out why are you doing this? There is always a reason and that reason could be tied to some kind of fear. Maybe you're scared that it's not going to turn out the way that you hope and so you're putting it off. Hi, hello, that's me. We'll come back to that. Maybe it's just a lack of time and so you keep telling yourself, well, I don't have time, I don't have time but then you put it off and then you don't have time to do it anyway. Or maybe you just don't know how to get started and you're like kind of feeling lost or or overwhelmed with that. So personally, I know my biggest reason for procrastinating besides when I'm just confused with my calendar. <laughs> it's a fear of an imperfect result. I'm afraid that when I actually do start it, it's not going to be what I envisioned. It's not going to be perfect. And then I'm not going to feel satisfied with it. So to kind of overcome this, I have to remind myself that perfection isn't expected and it can always be improved later. Like you can start with an imperfect, you know, product and then kind of perfect it over time or at least get it closer to perfect. So for me, it's so interesting because we're such different creatures when it comes to like procrastination, right? So for me, I will often procrastinate like right in the middle of it because I'm so tired of doing it. (laughs) So it's because like, it's like, I feel like I'm never going to find an ending. And then I just kind of drop a project and I will start to procrastinate finishing it up. I love getting started because I love the ideas. I just can't follow through with it. Um, But during the times when I procrastinate, I will tell you guys, I will often put myself down in those moments and you have to stay away from that downward spiral, right? And for me, I will often say, well, it's because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good enough. Nobody's going to want to see this. Like, it's just like, it's crap. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I am not a strong person when it comes to that. 
So that's usually a cause of my procrastination. And so when I find myself doing that, I have to remind myself to focus on how to solve the problem instead of creating a bigger one by beating myself up at the end of the day. Yeah, Bridget, I think in that case, it's really good to have a accountability buddy, if you will, like someone to talk to, because I know I've had to kind of talk you away from that downward spiral. So it's important to have other people that can kind of bring you back. And sometimes interrupting the pattern and calling yourself out really means also like realizing that you're being too hard on yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and being able to kind of talk yourself out of that. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, Bridget is going to tell us step number two. Y'all, it's November, and if you've been around long enough, you already know what that means. November means new planner launch. Our 2023 digital teacher planners that run from January to December are now available. Yes, they are. We have both tablet and Google Slides versions available in our store at teachingonthedouble.com slash store right now. Plus, you can still grab our planner inserts and digital stickers that can be used in any digital planner while you're there. If you're ready to start the year organized and planned, head over to teachingonthedouble.com slash store and grab your digital planning resources today. Welcome back after the break. Step number two is going to be to break down the task. And so for this one, a big reason why we procrastinate is because you don't really know where to start. How many times have you looked at like a really big project and you're like overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and that causes you to not want to get started? So breaking down that task is going to allow you to be able to put it into smaller pieces. All right, guys, get ready because the chicken cutting analogy (laughs) is back. Okay, so back to the whole chicken piece. And if you guys are like fairly newish, we had this chicken analogy back in our very first episodes. (laughs) Was it our first episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm a little embarrassed that I started this, but now I feel like I can't let it go. Um, But if you think about it, when you have a little bitty baby or even for yourself, right? you have a big chicken breast that's brought to you. You're not going to just fork that chicken breast and then just shove it into your mouth. You're going to feel like you're choking. You're not going to be able to breathe. It's going to cause you to feel overwhelmed and it's going to stress you. Procrastination is the exact same way, right? So what you have to do is you have to take that chicken and you have to slice it into very small pieces that make it very easy for you to chew. So take the time to really break it down. Now, we do have some templates to help with this. We're going to kind of plug our digital planner and our digital planning resources here. Within our digital planners, we have a project planning organizer. We have quarterly planning organizers, monthly planning, weekly planning, which those are all dated. And then the daily planning organizers, which can really help you be able to break some of these tasks down and kind of come up with a plan for when you're going to get them done. And if you're looking for some templates specific to lesson planning or even unit planning, we do know, we, we do know, <laughs> we do now have these new, what we're calling inserts. They're these templates that you can pop into an already existing digital planner, whether it's ours or another one that you are using. And the great thing is these inserts work in both the Google Slides version and the tablet version, and they can be used again and again and again. So once you purchase them, you have them to use for all of your future digital planning needs. But 
The key to breaking down these tasks is that each component, when you break it down, needs to be a single sit down task, something you can get done at one time. You also might need to put these in a specific order because sometimes you have to do one thing before you can do another. So for example, you have to have your lesson planning done before you can go make the copies because you can't make copies if you don't know what you need copies of. (laughs) It's also helpful to decide how long it's going to take you to complete each task. That's going to help keep you focused and it almost creates that accountability so you don't get wrapped up in spending two hours doing a task you realistically could have had done in 30 minutes. So if you need to go ahead and set deadlines or even use timers to hold yourself accountable. And if this is a repetitive task, such as lesson planning or preparing for a new student, that's something that typically happens more than once a year, or at the very minimum, it happens year after year, or preparing for conferences. These are all repetitive tasks. You could create a recurring checklist. So you kind of go through and list out all of those things that you have to do. So if we take that example that Michelle was talking about with lesson planning and procrastinating lesson planning, you have to think, Do you have those tasks broken down small enough so that you're able to really manage and take those? So a really good example of this is that if I'm going to look at my lesson planning and I'm looking at the structures of my block, I know that one, I need to have a mini lesson every single day, right? From that mini lesson, I always like to tie my warmups with it. So I want the warmup to tie into the mini lesson so that way I can get my students thinking about something. So then I might plan all of my warmups after I do my mini lessons. Do you see where the order kind of comes into Mm -hmm. importance here? Once I have that, then I'm going to find ways for my students to be able to do things independently, whether it's with partners or with groups or to do it by themselves. So I might try to tie in some of those practice activities after that. And so because of creating that structure and breaking down some of those elements, it just makes that feeling of, man, I now have to lesson plan for an entire week less overwhelming and it's going to cause you to feel good about just jumping into it and starting to get some of those things done. Yes. And then that leads right into step number three, which is to set up your space. Uh, Bridget, I know you have a little story to share. Yeah. You know what? During the book edit times, I felt like So book edits, it was around the time when my bathroom was getting done. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Like everything was just a hot mess express. And because my bathroom is right next to where my office is, the guys were using my office to be able to put all of their tools. So we had it like taped off and everything was just everywhere. It was dusty. It had we had tools everywhere still. They had left like a bunch of extra parts like all over the place. And because we were living at my mother-in-law's for like three or four weeks, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be able to get work done. My we're at my mother-in-law's, like she's gonna be able to help with the kids, all is gonna be well. But then all of a sudden, like I couldn't get anything done because I needed my office. And so when we came home, I decided to just wait. And then when we came home, I did not feel focused enough to be able to sit down and do my book edits because everything was just so cluttered and it just brought, it made me feel overwhelmed. And so I had to spend an entire day where I was just organizing and cleaning. And then that all of a sudden just made me feel like, okay, now I can do it. Michelle, I got it done in like a day. Yeah. A day. 
it makes me think of that saying messy desk messy mind clear desk clear mind Mm -hmm. or as michael scott says in the office he words it as messy desk messy mind empty desk empty mind which obviously is like the wrong wording you want your mind to be clear you don't want your mind to be empty so the key to this is making sure that your space is clean and organized that means not only like physically clean obviously that helps but Mm -hmm. getting rid of distractions and i know one thing i love about working in my office versus working like downstairs is I'm facing a wall, which sounds depressing, but for me, it works really well. If I have like a window or a TV, I'm more likely to get distracted. And there are times when that's okay. And I will allow myself those distractions because I have the flexibility of time for that particular task. But there are other times where I just need to face the wall and get my stuff done. (laughs) Nobody puts baby in the corner. You want to know something? I've never actually seen that movie all the way through. Oh, my gosh. All right. Next time we see each other. Yeah. We're we'll watch, watch Dirty it. Dancing. Okay. <laughs> and I think one of the other thing that's important with having your space clean and organized is also making sure it's a comfortable space. I know in my office, I have a nice, comfortable chair. I have a blanket that stays in here. And so when I come in, I just like put the blanket over my lap and I'm like, ah, I'm ready to work. <laughs> So the next part of that is going to be to prime your environment. And what we mean by this is that you want to have those materials ready to go, right? So when you prime it, you're just kind of setting everything else up in order to make it easy. So in my case, going back to the example that I had with my book edits, I needed to have all of my things ready, like off of my desk so that it was cleared and I was ready to just sit down and get to work. I also had a bunch of reviews. Uh, they And I can't remember the words that they use for this, Michelle. Maybe you remember. It was like the people, it was like the peer, peer reviewers. reviewers. Yes. Yeah. I had like my peer reviews. I went on ahead and I printed those out and I had them on my desk. I had sticky notes. I had a pen ready to go because as I would look at the review before I started the chapter, I would go through and I would make notes of like, what do I want to focus and see about adding when I got to that section? And so I would just keep moving the page as I was going through that book edit it. But that helped me prime my environment. I had mm-hmm. those materials ready to go so that when I sat down, I wasn't focused on just like trying to get everything printed, trying to gather all of the materials. It was all ready for me. And so when I sat down, I was able to get right to work. Yeah. So an example of this within teaching specifically would be when you're sitting down to grade, you want to make sure you're sitting at a flat surface so that you can kind of scatter papers as needed. So for example, Mm -hmm. your desk or maybe a table, you want to have any pens and other materials you might need, such as stickers, or I think of like my easy grader. I always had my easy grader out. Oh, the easy grader. Is that that thing? The sliding. sliding. Mm -hmm. And it gives you percentages. Loved that. I know there's apps for it, but I just loved having like the physical easy grader. Yeah. You also might want to have an answer key, like print it out, ready to go. And you probably want your laptop or computer nearby so that as soon as you finish grading, you can go ahead and enter those grades online. And then personally, I always also had a bin to put graded papers in when I was done. And then my students would take those and organize them into like student mailboxes to be sent home. So it just made the task that much easier when I sat down. It's like I was ready to start. I knew exactly what I had to do. Have you seen that there is, I think it's on Amazon, but it's not necessarily for teaching, but it's like this long strip, Michelle. And it basically has like these like 
these plastic pieces that flip and what you can do as in it's an order it's like one two three four whatever and the kids can like put their paper in order when they turn it in and so you can kind of look at it and be like oh I'm missing number seven and then they can come and place it there but then it's like you can flip it and then it's all in order for you I have seen seen those and I think they're cool, but I also feel like they take up a lot of space. So if you have the space, go for it. But I just assign that to a student. Like when my kids would turn things in, they would write their number on the corner. My kids can't do that. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, no, no. All they had to do. Well, I'd pick a competent student first of all, (laughs) but they, my students would write their number in the corner of their paper. So that student, all they had to do was look at the the numbers and put them in order. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So number four, (laughs) moving on guys, is to plan a reward. You want to give yourself something to look forward to. Um, This can be something like a walk, like a walk, watching like a show that you like or a video, spending time on social media. Although I always warn people that if you're going to give yourself the reward of spending time on social media, put a timer on because that you can get sucked whole like sucked into a hole and it's like a whole mess of a thing yeah i come out feeling horrible horrible after i have like a moment in social media um you can also make sure that you can you know go on a place like a dinner if you want to spend a little bit of money um you can get yourself a new outfit treating yourself to like a coffee. I know for me, like I like to treat myself to a Dunkin' Donuts. So I have certain things that I try to get done by the end of the week. And if I get that stuff done, I will treat myself to Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) on the way to school. I think what's important for this step is making sure either you hold yourself accountable or you find an accountability buddy so that you only get the reward when or if you actually finish the task (laughs) because you can't just reward yourself if you didn't get it done. And I think it's also worth noting that the size of the reward needs to match the size of the task. So here's an example. If you have this list of weekly tasks that you have to get done, like you're grading your lesson planning Mm -hmm. and so on, you should not be rewarding yourself with something super extravagant because you have to do this week after week. However, I think going to Dunkin' and getting a coffee to treat Mm -hmm. yourself is the perfect reward for that because it's not too expensive, it's not too extravagant, and it's something you realistically could do every week as a reward. But for some of those larger tasks, for example, graduating with your master's, like going through grad school, you might go on a trip when you're done. Like that matches the size of the task because most likely you've been working on this for months or even years. And so it's okay to have a bigger reward for that. I remember when we did the book and then we gave ourselves the reward of going to that beach trip. The beach, it was so much fun. And it it was was great. It was great. You could look forward to it. We did. It was so, so nice. Okay, so the last step in this, guys, is to take a small step. Figure out what the single next thing you need to do is and then just be like Nike and like do it. (laughs) So if you're struggling with that motivation, tell yourself you will only work for like 10 minutes, right? You can set that timer for five or 10 minutes. Your motivation increases once you start working. It's that whole thing of action leads to more action. And so once you're able to get moving, you're going to feel more motivated. And if you're hearing this and you're already like, okay, but I can't get moving to begin (laughs) with, like that's the struggle, pair it with something more enjoyable if needed. So (laughs) I think about myself, I hate doing dishes. I love cleaning. I love doing laundry. Most people hate laundry. I love it. 
love laundry. Dishes, mm, not so much. You not know what fan. I They're do, gross. Michelle? What? I make Ian do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I don't have that option. So one thing I do to help myself kind of get started with doing the dishes, because again, once I'm, once I'm, you know, arms, my sleeves are up and my hands are wet, it's fine. But it's the whole process of starting it. Yes. I will start a YouTube video and my sink is right in front of a, a window that looks outside and there's Same. a little ledge. Yeah. And I put my phone, which I now use because I use the MagSafe, uh-huh. um, what's this called? Same. A pop socket. Yes. So I use that to kind of like a little stand for my phone and I will watch a video. And so that gets me started. And then it's so much easier to keep going once I am started. So another example of this would be like listening to a podcast while you do the task or even wearing a comfy outfit. I know when I was teaching and would stay after school like one day a week, maybe to make a bunch of copies. As soon as the kids were gone, I would change out of my shoes into a pair of slippers that I kept in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And it just made it that much more enjoyable. But a good example of this, maybe you hate changing out your bulletin board and I mean, my suggestion would be don't change it out. Make it something that you can just leave up all year. But if you have to change it on like a monthly basis, start with just that simple next step of like getting the materials out. And then maybe your next step after that is just cutting the border and then cutting the letters or punching them out. Plus, if you're starting like this kind of a new system, like center, something you haven't done before and it's very overwhelming, It's as simple as like just printing out activities that you find Mm -hmm. or creating instructions. Like if you really break it down to just what is the single next step that I have to do, it's so much easier to get started. And you know what? Going back to like Michelle's last point, it's funny because I have been starting a new goal station in my classroom. Mm. Now, because I only taught fifth and sixth grade for the past few years, I didn't really have a goal station like prepared for fourth grade. So I've had to like start all over again. Mm. And so that we've been, I've been doing exactly that. Like over the past like week or two, I printed out a bunch of stuff. Then it like laminated and then Trent helped me cut out stuff. So he cut out <laughs> stuff, but like then I brought home the folders but it's been like slowly but surely. I have not put this pressure onto myself of saying, I'm going to get this stuff done immediately. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like slowly scaffolding that whole process. Okay, so let's review all of the steps. Step number one is to interrupt the pattern. Call yourself out. <laughs> Step number two is to break down the task into those smaller, more tangible to do tasks. Step number three is to set up your space and that includes priming that environment. Step number four is to plan a reward and don't forget you need to make sure that the reward matches uh, the task. And then step number five is to take a small step. Remember, be like Nike and just do it. Yep. One step at a time. That's how that's how marathons are run. That's how Ironmans are completed. It's just one step at a time. But we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you are enjoying our content, please head over to our website because you can find not only all of our podcast episodes on there, but you can find some of those digital resources that we mentioned, like our planners and those planner inserts. We also have stickers. If if you're looking just to fancy it up a little bit, you can go directly to teachingonthedouble.com slash store. And once you're on our website, you will see a tab at the top titled TSH. You can submit your current time-sucking hurdle. Let us know what is just taking up too much of your time right now, and you will have the chance to be featured in a future episode. 
if you listen to us on iTunes. First of all, go ahead and subscribe. That way, every time we launch a new episode, which is every Thursday morning, you get notified. It will automatically download. And we would love for you to leave us a review as well. We do read all of them and we smile every time. And until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.